We are busy with a series called The Movement. And it's, it's a faith thing. That is what we believe. Whatever you are expecting, you have to step out. You have to walk forward. It's all about faith. And if I have to ask you, just quickly, when I say faith, what is the first thing that pops into your mind? We'll all run to that scripture, Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is this. Or we'll have a picture of someone small standing in front of something big. It could be a, 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 a massive door. It could be a mountain. It could be a giant. You guys, you know, we always have that picture of giants. But it's always this well-dressed person in front of whatever obstacle there is. It could be a storm. You know, we always look at this raging storm, these massive winds, and there's always someone, you know, like hero posters. Um, I think a little bit different. So I always see Thor, you know, the pretty boy, standing in front of whatever is coming up in front of them. And, and that is what we believe faith is. But what I've come to realize is that faith is very messy. Faith is not, um, you know, down the middle of your chino kind of neat. Faith doesn't have a six-pack. <laughs> In some cases it does. But, but faith is not very clean. Faith is messy. It's that, you know, for those who have hair, faith is those, I styled it this morning, but oh my gosh, I have no idea what's going to happen. So I run my hands through my hair kind of messy. It's that smudged mascara um, that running nose that ugly mouth kind of crying kind of messy faith is that you know full body dirt because I've just picked up my, myself up from the ground kind of messy because I don't know what to do but God I trust in you I believe that is what faith is no matter what I see no matter what I hear, no matter what I feel, faith is I trust in God. And so today, I want to have a look at an experience in the Bible. Uh, for those who are joining us for the first time, we always talk about accounts in the Bible. But I'm trying to be as real as possible because we're calling them experiences. So we want to go to and experience because these are real people that experience real situations and that was helped through God through a real move of his hand. And so today's experience I want us to look at is in the book of 2 Kings chapter 4. And we're going to be reading from verse 1 and this is what it says. The wife of a man from the company of the prophet cried out to Elisha, your servant my husband is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Can I, I just want to pause there. I don't know how you used to read this. But I always used to read it like he was upset with her. Like, you know, it's like, she was wasting his time. And I always read, you know, when you read it in that way, you go, come on, man, how can I help you? But I've come to realize that it's all about the experience. 
when someone walks up to you and goes, hey, this is the problem. What is your response? How can I help you? And I believe this is how Elisha was responding to her. It's like, hey, lady, how can I help you? And then he goes, tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. For just a few, then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Shut the door behind you and your sons. Shut the door behind you and your sons. Means you've got to include them as well. Because whenever we go through something, it's not just you, it's your family. Your family helps you carry faith. So shut the door behind you and your two sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were filled, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not another jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil. Pay off your debts. You and your sons can live on what is less. So today, as we continue the movement, I want to talk to you from this title. It's something. Can we pray? So Lord, we want to just come before you right now. We thank you for your presence. And we thank you for your word. And through the examples that we read of in your word, we pray that you will take it and speak it into our being. We ask this every week. Do what only you can do. Bring change, bring healing, bring restoration. Increase us and fill us, Lord. Strengthen us through your word and encourage us. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. It's something. Life is all about perspective. And perspective is the way you look at something. We, we, we've all got that in our lives. Um, I look at a car and my mind runs. It's like, that is amazing. And when my wife looks at a car, she goes, it's a red one. Life is all about perspective. Let me give you an example. My wife hates being late. It's the one thing that ticks her off. Like, one of many. One of the few that is like, 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 like really have substance. And so whenever we need to be somewhere, whether it be church or whether it's going to go and visit people or just going to the mall, there's a time schedule. And my wife hates being late. But before we leave, there's always this phrase that my wife always uses, and I'm sure every guy is going to agree with me. She stands there, looks at me, and goes, I've got nothing to wear. 
There we go. Amen. Let's close. Let's pray. Send around the offering buckets. Jesus. No. But, but this is the thing. She stands in front of a cupboard, opens it up, and it's all about perspective. Because she goes, there is nothing to wear. And I look in her cupboard and I go, hold up. And then I open my cupboard. I look at her cupboard and I see all her clothes. And then I look at my cupboard and I see all her clothes. And I go, I don't understand. But no matter, you see, it's all about perspective. And no matter what, before we leave on time, she always manages to look amazing. From I have nothing to looking amazing. It's about our perspective because like I say, today's word is, it's something, and it happens with us in all areas of our lives, whether it be at home and clothes, um, your kids and games, or, or you and games. How many of you guys know you, you guys never have enough games? Musos never have enough instruments. Uh, like, mechanics have nothing, like they, they always need to fix something. I've got nothing to fix. And there's always perspective that goes into life. But perspective in life is the thing that directs your movement. The way you see something determines whether you're going to move or stand still. Last night's game, I don't know what your perspective was in watching it, but I realized why I don't. My heart, guys, we nearly never had a sermon to preach this morning. I'm like, no, Lord, why? No, but in any case, carry on. So perspective is the thing that drives us in the direction that we are going. It, it helps us build our life. But what we need to understand is that we need our faith to shape our perspective. Because if we always look at something without faith, we're always going to depend on how I feel in that moment. And for those who have kids, you know this is true because if a kid goes to, let's say, a swimming pool, park, of, I don't know where else you would swim, in what other kind of pool, but in any case, a swimming pool, um, if they aren't feeling like it, they won't try to get in. So if we don't have faith that shapes our perspective, everything around us will. And so as we look at this experience, once again, I had to change my perspective as I was reading this passage. And that is what happened this week in prepping for today's message was because I've always read this from a grumpy point of view. I've, I've, I've come from a lot of churches where, yes, you mustn't do that. So when I read this account, it's like, how dare this man get into debt? He sucks, man. But God revealed that it's a real life situation. Because what happens in your life when your stream of income stops, but the bills keep coming? It's like you have a home loan and your means in which you pay for that loan gets taken away. 
Just because it's taken away doesn't mean the bull stops coming. And this is the perspective that I had to have while reading this. Because depending on your perspective as you read scripture is how you're going to determine the outcome. And so as I was reading it, that with that in mind, I realized this is a real life situation that we all have And I don't know if this was her first choice or her last choice, but what I know is she chose to seek God in her situation. And what I want to say to everybody here is, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know how you feel. I don't know if you've gone to God and taken it to him already. You have to make a decision to run to him. It's never too late. And this is what this woman does. She goes, I know my God will help me. And so she runs to the man of God, speaks to him, and asks him for help. And as always, the answer never comes as what we wanted. How many of you guys have ever gotten a straight answer from God all the time? It's always, just hold on, let's think about it. Have you tried this? Why don't you do that? And that's exactly what happens here because faith is messy. Faith faith is messy. You see, you're going to have to do something. Even though she knew God can do it, he needs you to do it. So have a look here quickly in 2 Kings chapter 4, and we're just going to read this One simple verse, it says, And Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all. And then she remembered. It's that pause. I've got nothing. This is why I'm coming to you, because I've got nothing. In my my stress, there's nothing And then she remembers, and she goes, however, let me entertain you quickly. I've got a small jar of oil. And that changes everything. Because the first thing I want to show you is, don't, what do you have? We tend to overlook the simple things. Has anybody ever been overlooked um, ever in your life? No one in this church. You guys all look amazing. Uh, you guys are number one stars. Uh, look, all of you played first team sport, got straight A's. You were the first pick for every mother-in-law's. <laughs> I, I had a friend. He always used to come out. Check out mine. He's a squid master. Yes, the pick. Diana. It's like, yo. But have you ever been overlooked? We all know that feeling of being overlooked. And what we find in this passage and this experience that we we have here is don't overlook things. Because we tend to overlook the simple things in pursuit of a big breakthrough. However, we see over and over in God's word that it's not always about how much you have, but what you have. She remembered how many of you guys have forgotten stuff in, like, in a hurry? 
I need help quickly. What do you have? I don't know. I've got nothing. That's why I'm here. But, oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold up. Hold up. I've got a small jar. That is, that, that, that is the pause. She was, she was desperate. In desperation, we seem to overlook things. But then God brought something to memory. And he's like, but hold on. I have just a little oil. Something that was easily overlooked became the means of her breakthrough. Where we see little, God sees the potential. Because the devil will keep you focused on the big problem, so you overlook the small thing that can become your miracle. Why do you think David, when he went to Goliath, was upset when all he heard was this giant mocking people? Because when people heard threats, David heard someone that needs to die. I'm not, no, no, we're not that church, people. He looked at that giant and was like, man, a friend of mine, he's a pastor in the church, and he's like, imagine the Bible was written by colored folk. It's like, this day, we've got guys, can we be real a bit? The devil is going to constantly take your focus. Have you noticed when, when, when you're in a situation and it's dire and you're high, what does someone say? Listen to the sound of my voice. Why? Because you go in the direction of what you hear. And it's not about what we hear, because that is a distraction. God is saying, what are you overlooking? What a small he will keep you focused on the size of your problem so that your perception of what you have is inadequate. So we overlook small and miss the miracle. We go, if only I had. Have you guys said that? met a million. If only I had that bank account. If only I had um, those shoes. If only I had a Bucky, if only I had that house, if only I had that girl, I would feel better about myself. Elijah didn't ask, what would you like to have? He asked, what do you have? What do you have? Hey, that's right. Amen. I'll finish that sentence for you. Amen. You could just have a car. It could just be a small car. It could just be a broken PC. It could just be a sewing machine. Allow your faith to change your perception of what you have. Moses only had a staff. In the New Testament, this little boy comes to Jesus and he only had two fish and five loaves. Because that's what they said, we only have two fish and five loaves. This lady only had a little oil. Don't overlook what you have. I only have the small family. I only have this small gift. I only have this amount of time. 
But God can take the small and turn it into the breakthrough that you need. Because don't overlook it. Because it is something. And when you have come to the place where you go, it is something. There is something else that you need to realize. Now, like I said, we've got, you know, dad jokes, and then we've got pastor jokes, and Milo's been trying to find inspirational little quotes for you so that you can run home and faith the facts, raise the praise. But I've got a really weird one today. Check this out. Put the next slide up for me, please. It says... Just Yebo. Just Yebo. Do you know what Yebo means? Yebo means yes. If you're in South Africa, you know Yebo. But while I was looking at that word, because when you find something that might be small, you just have to Yebo. Because if you look closely, can you put up the next one, please? Yebo backwards is obey. I lost my mind when I saw that. I was like, yo! Jesus was South African. <laughs> because when you have something, you've got to do something. So we go, just what? Just obey. Trust and obey. Just Yebo. 2 Kings 4, verse 3 to 4. After she tells Elisha what she has, he responds in like this in verse 3. Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. How many of you guys feel very anti-asking people for stuff? Jesus is showing us the heart of community right here. Because we are so used to, oh, no, it's I'm into. It's those guys. They shouted at my dog. I kicked their cat. I didn't. They didn't return that. Did you hear them party last night? And they didn't invite us. But we all have this perception of what life in community must be. And yeah, Elisha says, wait, let's just turn it around. Your community is there to help you. And he goes, go to your neighbors and don't ask them for just a few. Because what is small is going to be used to blow up big. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. How much oil did she have? Just a little. Now, I don't know about you. When I read this, I'm always thinking in pictures. When you hear jaw, what do you think? Console glass. See-through. They didn't have that back then. It was clay little pots. So she had a little. She didn't know how little she had. And when they brought pots, they brought pots of all sizes. Because she asked for Empty pots. Because God cannot fill which is not empty. And it doesn't matter the size. He didn't say ask for specific sizes. 
He says, get as many as you can. And then fill it. It's really hard when all you have is a little to expect a lot. But this lady's obedience is what brought on her miracle. You see, she was familiar with being obedient. She was married to a guy that was part of a group of prophets. So she knew that when they say, this is what you do, I have to obey. So when Elisha goes, get this and shut the door, she knew the word of God came and I have to be obedient to that. What are you obedient to at this moment in your life? Are you listening to God? What is he telling you? Because everything that you need, God will speak to you about. He lives in us, so he'll speak to you. Don't overlook it. It doesn't make sense to get more jars when all you have is a little oil. But God doesn't ask you to understand. He asks you to obey. When we try to understand, we try and we find ways to say no. Because when I get an understanding of something, I see it's impossible. My boys are very fussy eaters. Um, so in my family, um, breakfast is very simple. We have a kid that only eats bacon, and we have a kid that only eats eggs. And then we have a girl, I won't mention her name. <laughs> it's only one. <laughs> it's only one that, I, that we have. And she doesn't eat the yolk of an egg. So breakfast is very easy for us. We have scrambled eggs with an extra yolk and bacon. So we make one, pot, one pan of breakfast and it goes a long way. Very fussy. However, how many of you guys know that in order to enjoy something, you have to experience it, right? So there was this one kind of dish that I, I enjoyed. Anybody eat liver? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's looking at it like, yeah, meat for a man, organs for her. <laughs> but, but there's this thing that I had to try. A friend of mine made me try this thing. It's called skullpikes. Yeah. Like, I ate Leonardo, guys. I'm sorry. That's why there aren't any more movies. But one day I was brying it, and my kids were, Dad, what's that? I'm like, I have to think about this. It's meat. Oh, it looks good. I'm like, mmm, tastes good. It's like, what is it? I'm like, try it. It's like, okay, I'll try it. Now, this is my fussiest son. And I'm ever sorry I ever asked him to try it because he loves it now. And in this house where I used to eat it all by myself, now I have to share. But if I had told him what it was when he asked me, how many of you guys know? It's like, I understand what it does. I do not want it. Afterwards, he was like, eh, it's okay. It's in me. It tastes great. When we try to understand the way God wants to move in our lives, we fit him in to our box and our small way of thinking. 
And when we try and fit him into that, we go, it's impossible. But if we fit into the obedience of God, we walk in what we know as faith. And then even though I don't understand, I know that my God can. So I've got to make sure that we always understand to just give up. I shout at my kids, will you do this? Why? Just do it. And that's how we need to be when Jesus speaks to us, when the Holy Spirit moves us, when God says, what do you have now? Do this. We have to go, no matter what way you flip it, it means I've got to do it. God is expecting you to be his hands here on earth. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be worth it. So this lady gets the jars. Her sons probably look at her and is like, smoking stuff. We only have the small jar. and Look at what we have. And then I had a whole lot of other points after this. And I couldn't understand why this one thing caught my mind. And I want to tell you guys today, you need to shut the door. When God gives you a word, shut the door. When you are stepping out in faith, sometimes you need to step inside and shut the door. Because this is one of the most important parts of the process of us walking in faith. Because not everyone is going to have the faith that you have to see the miracle be displayed. Because faith doesn't make sense. So if I didn't hear what God has told you, it's not going to make sense to me. And people are always going to come and try and distract you from pouring your oil into your jars. And then we stop. Their perspective is different to yours. Ellie looks at her outfits and goes, I have nothing to wear. It's not that she doesn't have clothes. It's that what she sees in her cupboard for the event that we're going, she doesn't have exactly what she pictured in her mind. And we go, nonsense. Look at all that. That was my life savings. That was my cupboard. And we try to put our perspective on her. Or I do that. And people will do that as well. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, but God said, yeah, but it doesn't make sense. Shut the door. You know, Emmanuel always tells me, Milo, you, you're the nice pastor. And I'm like, yeah, I am. It sucks. Sometimes you have to be not a nice person, though. When other people want to come in, you're going to have to tell them, hold up and close the door. Because the longer you keep the door open, the longer people have an opportunity to change your mind.
Do what Jesus says you have to do until your breakthrough comes. It might be a little, but I've got to tell you it's something. And that's something God can use. I'll pray with you guys.